Hello and welcome to Real Estate Insights, the podcast series from Savills that puts every corner of the property world under the microscope. We're seeing small companies, medium-sized companies, big companies that are all located there essentially say, I can't take it anymore. The big story has been that New York has jumped ahead of San Francisco in the rankings. Today we're going both global and digital in an attempt to search out the world's best places to locate if you're a tech company. This is all about, I guess, the creation of an ecosystem. It's where people can go and sit in a cafe and have some kind of random encounter with somebody else who might also have a startup. 5G technology is expected to be transformational in terms of smarter cities and smarter transportation as well. We'll be working out which cities are top of the search rankings and which are the internet startups trying to mix it with the big boys. And we'll be doing it with the help of Savile's freshly published Tech Cities programme. I'm Guy Ruddle, and with me are the two people behind the programme. Paul Tostevin is the lead researcher in the Savills Tech Cities programme. And Nikki Whiteman is Director of Global Occupier Trends at Savills. Welcome to both of you. How are you? Very, Very good, well. thank you. It's thank exciting. You. This is this program of talking about a program. We normally talk about reports, but this is like a whole. There's a microsite on the on the Savills website, and you can delve down and do all sorts of things in this, can't you? Yeah, it's our third iteration, and there's um, there's a lot of outputs. Have we warned you about a Savills standout statistic? The idea is that by the at the end of this conversation, we're going to ask you, or I'm going to ask you, for a standout stat, a Savills standout stat, just something short and sharp that makes people go, "Wow!" So. Let's talk about tech cities. I think the first thing is, what makes a great tech city? When you're ranking cities and looking at them, what are the sort of key themes that you're looking at, Paul? So our programme identifies the 30 leading cities at the forefront of the tech industry. So to meet that criteria, they are important centres of tech in their own right, They are on the shopping list for expanding global tech companies. And I think really importantly, they are vibrant cities. They're they're cities that young, skilled talent wants to live and work in. Um, And they're also generators of talent in their own right. So they have universities, they have R&D, and really strong links with with business and and the tech industry. And Nikki, are are some of those things specific to tech? Or do they, 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 they sound roughly like things that any city would want to be? Yeah, I guess that's right. To some degree, what's happening in the tech sector is then just permeating through, you know, all other sectors. You know, to some degree, lots of organisations see themselves now as tech companies, even if they came from what we would think of as more traditional sectors. Presumably, you get massive amounts of clustering in this area as you would in any other. Well, to some degree, this is all about, I guess, the creation of an ecosystem. You know, this is an ecosystem of tech communities. It's where people can go and sit in a cafe and have some kind of random encounter with somebody else. You might also have a startup. It's about where funders are. It's about where events are happening. And then more than that, it's about the kind of places that people want to live. You know, how can they move around? How can they, you know, can they cycle into the kind of office space they want to be in? And we're trying to embody all those kinds of themes within the program. It struck me just when we were having a conversation before we started recording this, you said there are a hundred metrics for each city in this. That's right, yeah. So we we consider a hundred metrics in total per city and we divide them into six categories. So that ranges from things like the business environment and the tech environment through to some of the softer factors that, that Nikki mentioned around livability, wellness, um, city buzz. Um, and then those composite measures are weighted accordingly. So we give a higher weighting 
to the tech industry and the talent pool because we know that's really important to the industry, um, whereas low weighting to real estate costs because, while significant, it's not a key driver of where the, the talent and business locates. Right, let's get to the meat of it and to the actual rankings themselves. Paul, what are the sort of overarching things that you've found this year? So the big story this year has been that New York has jumped ahead of San Francisco in the rankings. Why is that? Well, it's an access to a fantastic deep pool of talent. It's a major world city, access to a brilliant business environment and financial services industry as well. Actually, no surprise also that we saw Amazon choose Long Island City as one of their locations for a a new headquarters. For me, I think, you know, LA's come into the rankings this year. It's good to see that. Silicon Beach tech industry there focused around coastal LA, Orange County. Um, You've got SpaceX located out there. So it's good to see kind of LA come into the list. So it's interesting you talk about, we've talked about New York and you've talked about LA because five of the top 10 cities are American cities. I had a quick chat with Kevin Kelly, who's the Senior Managing Director at Savile Studley, the US arm of Savile's, and I asked him whether there was much competition between all these American cities. I would say that there's more competition now than there's ever been, and there's a number of reasons why this is happening. When you think about sort of your main tech cities uh, in the US, the first one that comes to mind is going to be San Francisco, San Jose, the, the Bay Area, which has been the really the global center of tech innovation um, over the last two decades. And when you look at that market, the competition among the big firms is so extraordinary that we're seeing small companies, medium-sized companies, big companies that are all located there essentially say – I can't take it anymore. Uh, We can't recruit. We can't retain software developers are staying at their firm an average of less than a year. They're having quarterly discussions with their employer about raising compensation because if they don't get that pay rise every few months, they're going to go take another job elsewhere. And as a result of that, companies are starting to think about other locations where they can grow their tech. and, And we're seeing Similar things happen in Seattle and New York as well, where it's just simply competition for talent is too tough. So there's a lot of change going on and and a lot of opportunity for other cities. So what are other cities doing to win that business? When you look at some of the other places, New York and Boston, Boston, of course, has this incredible concentration of great uh, colleges that are producing a, a large scale of tech talent. But you've also got a, a decent amount of migration to the cities um, and New York, which is which we always call is the great attractor, actually is is a much better uh, attractor of of recent grads, people in their 20s choosing to move there than a place like San Jose and San Francisco. And we think that's largely because of the infrastructure that's in place where you can live in an urban environment, those things matter a lot to the tech community. So that's really interesting what Kevin's saying there about that last bit. I mean, all of it is interesting, but that last bit about being able to move around a lot, because I know that one of the key themes of the programme this year is about mobility and about how easy it is to get to and from. I mean, you've already talked about it a bit, Nikki, but is it really that important? I'd have thought there were other things which were more important than whether you can get to work easily. 
Tech Cities was always, the programme was always about urban centres. You know, we've always been focused on city living as opposed to kind of, you know, living somewhere outside, coming into the city. So it's an urban project. Um, And I think on a global level, this mobility issue is one of the key things that cities are grappling with. Yeah, and and because our our cities are successful, they're growing quickly and they're actually forecast to add another 18 million people over the next 10 years. So clearly that's huge pressure on the urban environments that they they have and therefore having, you know, solutions that people can get around the city easily and and efficiently and cheaply and not to the detriment of the environment is, is really important. I think there's something, you know, that mobility question, there's something about what feels progressive, I guess, on a city scale. Um, And lots of organisations within this kind of sector, lots of people who work within it will relate to this idea of progressive places. And if you think about, you know, modern mobility, what that really means, all the disruption that's happening within that space, that feels very, very relevant to everybody. But I think particularly within this sector, that's got some real resonance. Talking about being progressive, um, one of the new themes, if you like, is the rise of China. What a surprise. Six Chinese cities in, this, in, the, in the 30 cities this, this time around. Had a quick word with James MacDonald in Shanghai. He's head of China Research for Sales. Asked him why he thought China was doing so well. Obviously, China's grown phenomenally over the last couple of decades on the back of manufacturing, fixed asset investment. However, a lot of those things are going to peter out as we go forwards, as we start to move up the value curve and the economy sort of shifts to a new gear. And I think there's some concerns about, say, an aging population, sort of a reduction in terms of the working age population in particular. And I think the government's really looking at stepping into the next era in terms of the economy. And part of that is obviously the, the tech sector. And what are they actually doing to attract the tech sector? Um, well, I mean, one of the most important things that they're doing at the moment is they are leading the charge in terms of 5G technology. So obviously, uh, most people have 4G technology in most of the countries that they live in at the moment. But 5G technology is, is expected to be sort of transformational in terms of smarter cities and smarter um, transportation as well. And when you look at these six cities, Shanghai, Beijing, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, Hangzhou and Chengdu, are they all sort of similar? Or do they, you know, like in America, there are sort of particular areas which are particularly good at particular types of tech. Is that the same in China? Some of, some of them have quite unique differences, both in terms of, sort of the, the demographics, the economy, the businesses that are there. And that really sort of feeds through into the tech sector as well. Some of the smaller cities were maybe a little bit more sort of uniform, but especially some of the bigger cities, they've built up a sort of degree of specialization. So, um, say, markets like Shanghai um, is a very cosmopolitan city. You've got a lot of international businesses out here. Um, it's the center for international finance within China itself. And should the US and other parts of the world be sort of looking over their shoulders? Is it an ambition, a sort of specific Chinese ambition to become the biggest and the best in terms of locations for tech companies? China really wants to develop native technology. I think obviously with the US-China trade war and things like that, a lot of countries are starting to look at not being reliant upon other countries for their technology or for their critical infrastructure. And so I think China doesn't necessarily want to export its technology but it wants to be self-reliant in terms of its technology know-how in china we have so there's a limited access to the outside internet so there's a thing called the chinese great firewall which limits exposure to things like facebook twitter and google and so what has actually happened is that there's been a number of companies which are some would say the equivalents of those um, technology companies but within china itself so things like uh, baidu alibaba and tencent which would be say the equivalent of 
Google, Amazon, and Twitter. So we were already seeing a separation in terms of the technological cyberspace within China and outside of China. So, uh, Paul, do you ag- agree with what James is sort of saying there, that sort of China's a separate market and, and plays by its own rules? It is its own entity, but it has grown in terms of um, share of global VC investment and actually accounts for a larger volume than the US now by that measure. Let's have a quick word about Singapore. Where does it sit? What's it, has it, is it important to the future? So Singapore is actually the highest ranking Asian city in our index. It, it came sixth. Um, I think Singapore really benefits from a strategic location in, in the heart of Asia. It's English speaking and clearly very business friendly. So the one part of the world we haven't talked about yet is Europe. I mean, and we should say, you know, because we are, we're recording this in London, as we always are, third, you know, but Amsterdam, just behind London. So what's happening there? Yeah, I think Amsterdam feels like a really exciting European city. Um, I think, you know, really well connected transport hubs, um, has lots of the advantages of big business London, but it also has that kind of small city feel where it's walkable and it's cycle friendly, English widely spoken. So it feels as though, you know, Amsterdam has performed really well, I think performed well last year. Again, it's a city that we're really excited about. I think I think one of the challenges is is costs, rising costs, and actually a lot of these cities are becoming a victim of, of their own success. And actually, Amsterdam's yeah. no, no exception there, and, and of course, same same in London. But yeah, absolutely, it is it is rivaling London in in many ways, and, and just behind it. So, so I think that sort of covers most of the the big stories and most of the big cities around the world. Are, are there any are there any parts of the world or any cities that you guys think? are you know are not quite on the radar, but should be and are punching above their weight. There are a number of European cities, I think, that, that punch well above their weight on a global stage, given their population. Um, Stockholm, Copenhagen, Amsterdam, Dublin, all populations under 2 million city populations, but yet rank higher than Hong Kong and Seoul. And why is that? Again, I think that comes back to talent and, and livability. These are compact cities that that tech talent can easily get around um, short commutes to work. I mean, Dublin, I mean, Dublin's been a classic example of somewhere that, you know, lots of tech companies have gone and based themselves, you know, Airbnb, Apple, Facebook, compact city, you know, really lively social scene. But, you know, again, the growth of tech means, you know, there's pressure on cost, you know, and I think we're seeing that, as Paul referenced earlier, you know, sort of this, this sort of cyclical nature of places that become interesting, you know, you see this, you see this cost pressure. Well, it's a bit like what Kevin was saying about uh, San Francisco Absolutely. and the Bay Area, you yeah. know, it, you get the magnet for a bit, yeah. but then people are looking for somewhere new. Is that is that the future? Is that how it's always going well, to be? Well, it's a constantly reiterating kind of proposition. That's why this programme is interesting. I think, you know, it's why what we do is interesting because it's an ever-changing landscape. Now, I set you the challenge of a Savile standout stat. I can go first. Go on then, Paul. 208 billion. That is the total amount of venture capital invested in our 30 tech cities in 2018. And that's actually grown 460% since 2012. Wow. So I think that really puts into context why why we do this. Two hundred and eight billion. Yep. Nikki. Uh, so I'm going with a uh, dollar fifty four. 
which is the cost of a flat white in Buenos Aires. Um, and that's the city that tops our flat white index, which is our measure of cafe culture. Um, because we've said throughout this program that, you know, that has been one of the things that we're interested in, you know, where, the, where are these vibrant communities? Um, and so, yeah, Buenos Aires and the flat white. And as if two Stavels standout stats wasn't enough, when we were talking to James earlier on, I asked him for, for his Stavels standout stat. The World Economic Forum came up with a report which was looking at the number of STEM graduates which were being produced in China versus the US. And according to their information, there were 4.7 million graduates from STEM degrees in China in 2016 versus 568,000 from the US. Amazing, isn't it? Guys, thank you both very much for Pleasure. being here today. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's been great to have you in our little studio to talk about this stuff. And if you want to do a sort of deep data dive on the Tech Cities programme, you can do so at the microsite, which I must say is, is pretty amazing. You can delve into all sorts of things in all the different 30 cities. Savills.co.uk slash research is the place to go to to find it. And if you want to become part of the growing band of people who just can't bear the thought of missing a single episode of Real Estate Insights, then please subscribe to us using your usual podcast provider. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.